So I might have talked about this on the show before, but there is an episode of Batman the Animated Series, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, called Legends of the Dark Knight, where it's three kids standing around telling each other stories about what they think Batman is like. And the trick of it is it's animated in different styles based on what the kids are saying. So there's like a 1950s Dick Sprang segment, there's a 1980s Frank Miller segment, and then there's like the real Batman at the end. And this episode of She-Ra that we're talking about today feels so much like that. Uh, I, I'm in love with it. I think it's an instant classic, but we'll get to it. Anyway, what I would like to talk about in the intro with you, Lauren, what other cartoons do you love? That's not something we talk about too much as other animation, especially anything contemporary. Like, is there anything else you could see yourself doing a podcast about? The only show, and it's it would be a deep mine, that I could see myself doing an actual podcast about would be Adventure Time. Uh, I think Adventure Time is a masterpiece of animation, maybe one of the greatest shows of our generation. Uh, and I didn't like it when I first watched it. I found it very frenetic. Um, and that is because I, I tuned in to maybe the weirdest episode possible. I tuned into an episode with like clown nurses that tickled people's feet. And I was like, what is this show? But as it turns out, it's this gorgeous and sorrowful post-apocalyptic uh, family comedy um, and there's political intrigue and there's romance and there's music and it's a true coming of age story because Finn the human and Jake the dog grow up as the voice actors grow up it's really amazing I think hearing your journey from like repulsion to uh, to love would be actually really fascinating as a micro series maybe something for you to do during the off season it's not like you're doing anything else with your life right? No not at all um, I, I have some others. One is really uh, related to She-Ra, actually. When I was a kid, I got hooked on the old Johnny Quest cartoons. And they went off the air on Cartoon Network. And I remember going into the kitchen to my mom and being like, I love Johnny Quest and they took it off the air. I don't understand. I feel like I just found it and now it's gone. And then they rebooted it. <laughs> then they had the real adventures of Johnny Quest, just like there's a new She-Ra, and I got super into that, too. So I guess, like, enjoying multiple iterations of cartoons can also be kind of a theme for me. Yeah, I think if uh, there was a... Uh, if, if I was to do a show about another contemporary reboot, there's definitely a universe where I'm doing a show about DuckTales, which was never my favorite show as a kid, but, oh, Lord, this new DuckTales. I actually binged the last, like half of season two last night and it is incredible like there's this thread running through it that the kids you know their mom is never a presence in the original series well that's a story thread in this show and spoiler she comes back in season two and it's a very there's like this weird episode where she's trying to learn how to be a mom again and louis has this line like he's not really feeling it and it's bobby moynihan is louis by the way and he says this line I guess I haven't had a mom for so long that I don't know how to have one. And it broke my heart. And this is DuckTales. Also, they brought back Darkwing Duck in the season finale in a weirdly meta way where it was like a TV show. And then there was this, they're doing like a Dark Knight style reboot. And uh, this actor, Drake Mallard, is playing him. But maybe he's also a crime fighter. It's really awesome. So shout out to new DuckTales. One other thing before the episode starts. DreamWorks, please stop naming your episodes after 80s rock songs by men because there could only be one music sting for this episode. Thank you, Steve Winwood. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to She-Ra Progressive of Power. One more time, I'm Eric. I'm Lauren. I think we have more than one more time. I'm, well, I'm just saying like this... 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is our 51st episode. That's traditionally where shows end, right? Is it? No. <laughs> Did you like how we didn't do any fanfare for our 50th episode at I all? I didn't know it was our 50th episode. I saw, so Eric texted me super early in the morning on Friday and was like, can you please put the episode up on social media? I'm in a, I'm in a bunch of meetings. And I don't normally do that. And I went to plug it and went, this says episode 50, Eric, are you serious? I mean, I knew. I just didn't want to make like a big thing of it. Like, I would have made a big thing about it. We should have had a party. We really dropped the ball. Well, now we're making a thing of it now. This is the 51st episode celebration. Happy 51, everybody. Here's to the next half century. Do you think we're going to get to 100? I, I don't think so. I actively hope not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love doing this show with you, but I've been, I was, before we even started recording today, I was telling our guests who we'll introduce in a second. I think I've said everything I could possibly say about Shira. I have to take detailed notes every episode to just find new nuggets and new things to say. I... I th- we're digging deep at this point. Is there 50 more? Well, I, I don't think so. And I will say to cover our friends, DreamWorks did not tell us how much more the show has. And Lauren and I have different theories about that. Uh, I think that there's five seasons total. So 50 some episodes. Lauren thinks there's only three. Yeah, I think so, I think we're done. So we'll see who's right after the next batch of episodes. But anyway, in Josie's interview, she said there was one episode that I'm really excited for you guys to see in season two that I know you will love. And I'm positive it was this episode. Yeah, I'm sure this is what she was talking about. And, and, and I even remember her saying, like, especially you, Eric. Yes, yes. <laughs> this Because of something specific I said about the music in the show, which we'll talk about. So today we are covering Roll With It, Baby by Steve Winwood. I mean, Roll With It, the fourth episode of the second season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. This episode is all about role-playing, which we have talked about a lot. We've done a lot. And But we haven't really had a, a guest to talk about role-playing other than Logan, who ran an adventure. We're not running an adventure today. We're just chatting. And the person we have to chat with us is a very wonderful human being. I worked with her some. Uh, she is a, a player on the wonderful podcast Dungeons, Dice, and Everything Nice, which is an all-women, all-comedian uh, Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast run out of Chicago. Um, she's very cool. We're going to works Gen Con at, together. Works at a game store, right? Yeah, works at a game store. I don't want to plug. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to, that's fine. Uh, everyone, please welcome Liz Burton. Hooray. Now, Liz, you you have been watching She-Ra, correct? Yes, I have. I've seen the whole first season and most of the second season. All right, so Lauren, we can't spoil what's coming. I'm so sorry. Uh, is this your first She-Ra? Have you watched any of the original? This is my first She-Ra. That is true for I a was, lot of people. I was a big Scooby, classic Scooby-Doo person oh. as a child. Um, that was my that was my big cartoon. I could get down on some Scooby Doo when I was yeah. a kid for sure. I liked the pup named Scooby Doo a lot. I loved a pup named Scooby Doo with R- my whole heart. Speaking of meta, that show was so meta. Yes. Um, so a lot of people we talk to on the show have some familiarity with the eighty series, or we kind of beg them to talk about a cartoon with us. Um, you're one of the first guests we've had, I think, that came in at the new Shira. What kind of drew you to it? Um. I am a fan of Noelle Stevenson. She's great. I like her work a lot. Um, and that's was initially it. <laughs> that's a great reason. Yeah, I, fantastic I reason. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about your history with role playing a little bit. Uh, what got you started in the role playing world? Yeah, so I started playing role playing games like five or six years ago now. Um, it was ra- around when uh, Fifth Edition for D anD D just came out. Um, and I was just, I always was interested in it. 
uh, I just never had anybody to play with. So it was after I graduated high school, um, I was just walking with one of my friends and he was like, so we're playing a game tonight. Do you just want to like hop in? And it was a 3.5 game. Um, and I was just like, yes, please. At last. Please, at last. <laughs> I've always, I've always read about this. <laughs> Great. Glad to be doing it. I, I just want to interject into your story. The fact that it is very much like mine. I can't believe how many geek type young men spend so much of their youths being like lonely and like, why don't girls pay attention to me? And why don't I have people to play with? I wanted to play D&D and Magic the Gathering yes. so bad through like high school and even before that and got turned down so many times. <laughs> like, come on, guys. We were here waiting for you. Yes. <laughs> this is not my story, but I, I couldn't tell you who told it. I was at this retailer conference for the Games World a couple days ago, and I was talking with a woman who runs a store in Dixon, Illinois. And her story is also very similar to you two, where she, uh, throughout high school and college, her friends would play D&D, and she would ask, can I play? I've always heard it's so fun. And they literally told her, like, no, girls can't play. Oh, and wow. so finally she got to grad school, and she's like, this guy I met uh, was running not D&D, some other indie RP system and he was the first person who ever invited me to play a game and she ended up marrying the guy and then she was like he's not a very good dm though so later i had to find better <laughs> groups but he was the first person who ever included me in this world so it yeah what lauren said guys be smart about this like everything is better when you include everyone mm -hmm. which is kind of the thesis of she to begin with really and then so you are in this podcast dungeons dice and everything nice which is super successful uh, i saw your standing room only like at capacity crowd at c2e2 so how did that journey happen for you my friend uh her name's katie may weber uh she <laughs> when we were in college um she brought this idea up to all of us saying that you know like i have a couple ideas for a podcast like i really want to start and one of them was an all women's D, D podcast and um all of us the people that she brought it up to on separate occasions were like do it and i'll be in it and she was like Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge yes. accepted. Yes. So um, we had the people, but we wanted to make sure because two of the girls in it had never played before this podcast. So I actually ran uh, our test sessions for us, and they all loved it. Um, they were super late nights just in a dorm room, just trying it out. Uh, and then when we started the actual podcast – it was in a different dorm room. So you can hear like in our early episodes, trains and like sirens go by all the time. Um, we know that game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My friend Ben just started listening to our show from the beginning and he got to the episode about uh, the price of freedom and he texted me, I can hear AC's tail in this episode. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's right. That's before the studio. But between the two apartments, you could tell who whose house we were in based on the type of dog sounds that were in the background. <laughs> yeah. Wagging tail was mine. Running was yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Liz, thank you so much for being here to talk about Shira and role playing. I thought it would be doing a disservice not to kind of unpack the the um, role play elements of this episode with uh, without a pro here. So thank you for being that <laughs> voice. I will say, from my standpoint, doing an actual play podcast is pretty hard. I spent hours editing Lauren and I's attempt at that uh, a few weeks ago. I was just listening to that again yesterday, kind of by accident. I was driving home and. I never really use like Google Assistant or any of those things. And I got really curious and I said, okay, Google, 
play the most recent episode of She-Ra, Progressive of Power. And it was like, all right. But it played the actual play. It didn't play Fridays. Oh, Google might take a minute to update, I That's guess. That's fine. But I was like, I'd listen to this again. <laughs> and I was actually really impressed by the, the music that you chose and the pacing. It, your first time, it was great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not easy. You don't, do you edit the episodes? I don't. I think I'm going to have to edit one. Uh, we're looking for a new podcast editor at the moment. Um, and just to try it out, I might try to edit an episode and I might die doing it because I've heard it's hard. <laughs> it is a great skill to have. It is also not the fun part. It's not the fun part. It's also just like hard playing the game because it's like you, you talk about you have to take detailed notes about every episode. We also have to take detailed notes because like our recording schedule is very like spread out. So we'll record one day and then we won't have a recording session for like a month. Everyone's, so what happened? We have Where to do we? Yeah, we have to do a recap before every episode. And so if we don't know, we're just kind of like um <laughs> and then we went to a bar <laughs> well, we went to a bar is like, odds are when you're playing d it's a good yes. chance that happened. Yes. And if there's any, I guess, fledgling podcast editors out there who want to take a crack, I mean, get in touch with Dungeons Dice and Everything Nice. I guess <laughs> they, they need someone. You might Maybe you can uh, start working your muscle with them. Even sharing <laughs> editing with a second person is easier than doing it by yourself. Yes. Yeah. We have a lot of young creators who listen to this. I don't know if they're on the technical production side, but maybe... So check out that podcast, everyone. Where can they find it, by the way? Uh, they can find it on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, oh, geez. I don't remember the other website's name. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> Anywhere you get podcasts. Yes. Dungeons, Dice, and Everything Nice. Let's talk about She-Ra. We are talking about the episode Roll With It today. There's not much of a recap to do here. Essentially, there is a giant horde stronghold tower on the other side of Castle Brightmoon, and the most of the episode is Adora running basically roleplay tactical miniature scenarios with her friends to try to figure out the best way to siege the tower. And her friends keep goofing off and getting killed in the scenarios, and Adora takes it very personally. So in the end, they kind of reach... Uh, a mutual understanding where some improvisation is welcome. The characters use uh, some of the jokey bits they did in the uh, in the role play to uh, mix with Adora's actual tactics to siege the Horde Tower. In the end, the Horde is kicked out. It's all Kyle's fault. End of episode. You've you've really tapped into something that I'm not sure I agree with about this episode, and I think that's maybe the crux of the entire thing. Okay. You say they're <laughs> fooling around, and some of the jokey bits they did end up being real. I'm not sure they were goofing off at all. Yeah. There's a big part of me in this episode that wonders if they were trying to tell she the whole time like what they're really capable of, and that wasn't a joke. <laughs> That's probably more accurate, actually. So I, I guess I'm thinking of like Bo's attitude, like no, like he's very jokey. But I think you're probably right. So I'll, I'll asterisk that part of my recap and say that you should listen to what Lauren said instead. <laughs> but anyway, that's most of the episode. But what's really fun about this one is that everyone's different kind of role play scenarios has different animated styles, like in the Batman episode I talked about at the top. And I'd actually like to go through those with you guys because I know there's some references I missed. And like, let's just take them one on one to start if that's. Cool. 
cool with you because I'd love to. I know Lauren knows a lot more about anime than I do, and I'm sure you picked up some things that I did not. I, I do know a lot more about anime, but I also know a lot more about anime that one would be watching, like, in the early aughts. <laughs> and so anime that's popular now, if that's what they were referencing, I sure did miss it. So maybe we'll get this all together. All right. It sounds like maybe we can't tell then. But all in all, there's five scenarios that are animated in a different style. So Glimmer, Bow, Perfume, Emmer, Mista, and Frosta each have their scenarios. Glimmer is first. And this was actually probably the hardest one for me to peg. So Glimmers is animated in a very angular style with like muted colors, a lot of blacks and purples. Um, it's very sharp. The closest I got was like kind of a ghost in the shell cowboy bebop thing because of the jazzy elements to the score. But it also reminded me a lot of 90s X-Men. I think it might be because her hair looked like Wolverine and her coat looked like Jubilee. Yeah, I think 90s to early 2000s anime is kind of where we were going. My first assumption was Cowboy Bebop because the monochromatic sort of color palette and the, the music reminded me of the opening theme of Bebop. But there's, you know, there's some Trigun in there, but overall the sort of like toothpick in the mouth and the combat and the sort of noir shadowy I, I was feeling very 90s to 2000s anime cool so it's more of a general kind of genre pastiche versus a specific there is what could be thinking. a specific one <laughs> i could be just missing it they're like lauren it's jojo's bizarre adventure and i'm like i'm sorry i've never watched that one i'm too old so i read an article that said it was very bondy which kind of like in in as much as the catra and glimmer's fantasy says uh, no, I expect you to die. But I didn't feel a lot of bond from that otherwise. No, I mean, just the the general idea of, like, noir, yeah. spy, it's like it's there, but I wouldn't put it in bond territory. There's a lot more bond tropes that I would have gone towards if that's what we were trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have Bo's fantasy, which is the one that DreamWorks knew we would love, especially me, because what is the background music of Bo's fantasy? It's the classic She-Ra theme. It's the whole score, <laughs> yeah. If I can be a brat, the first time I saw this episode, I actually was upset because I was like, this means they could have used it the whole time. <laughs> but I quickly got over it, especially when we got to the end credits, which I'll talk about later. But yeah, Bo's imagination, which is very fitting of this Bo, is the 1980s filmation series. So he has a mustache. All of the characters are dressed in their original outfits. Uh, Katra does a bunch of puns, which is incredible. I love this bit, not necessarily just for the nostalgia. I think Eric's the one who's kind of nostalgia wild for it. But it showed me that 80s bow and modern bow have a lot more in common in terms of like attitude and speech than maybe I was even giving them credit for. Like Bo fantasizing about being his like 80s iteration. It was too simple. It's like, oh, nearly identical characters. I think that's the key, right? Is it, It's like the current Bo with a little more confidence is probably 80s Bo. Like he's just not quite there yet. But he would love to be making quippy puns at all times if possible. And that is absolutely on brand. We also get to see Catra turn into a cat uh, because real life Bo runs out of miniatures. So instead of having a Catra figure, he uses a cat figure, <laughs> which is very cool, very classic. Were you, having not seen the 80s version, aware of what they were doing here? I I actually did. I just assumed that's what they were doing in watching <laughs> it. I was like, 
this feels like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like the 80s, right? And I'm, I'm glad with doing no external research that I was correct. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a compliment for the show, really, that you know, they must have used enough context clues to, to let you know what, what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, shout out to the episode's writer, Josie Campbell. So many puns in this segment. I loved it so much. More than the 80s even. But, you know, it, it, it hit that distillation perfectly. Wow! Oh, fools! I won't let you destroy my perfect plan. What? <laughs> this is kind of amazing. It looks like I've got you meow, evildoer. I'd pause to reflect on your upcoming death if I were Mew. I don't know. I'm feline pretty good right now. Stop. You gotta stop. Mm, Now we're all hoping this plan kills us. Then prepare to meet your end. Uh, Then we go to Perfuma's briefest of fantasies. I'm pretty sure. So Perfuma imagines that she's summoning a plant golem to tear down the wall. This seems pretty clearly Attack on Titan to me. Yeah, just the framing of the shot, like the image that the way it's animated is from the very bottom of this very tall wall, and then this you know horrific man beast sort of coming up over the wall. That is an Attack on Titan shot. Yes, I don't. I don't know for the rest of metaphorically what they were going for, but that moment is just very clear tribute. And I noticed that they drew the um, the golem in the in her fantasy very kind of, I guess you'd say striated, like a lot of lines, uh, like a very human shape with a lot of muscle lines, which is also very Attack on Titan. Versus the golem she actually summons at the end, which is very kind of bulbous and just like a big green shrub with a mouth, basically. I like the idea that, though, in her mind, that's who her golem yes. is. Yeah. This, like, cute sort of lump is, in, is just ripped due to her. <laughs> yeah. <It's> great. <laughs> I like one of the characters asks, if he's made of plants, how does he roar? And she's like, plant magic. <laughs> uh, Liz, does that check out in D&D? Yes, it definitely does. Um, plant magic is a big thing. Uh, you can speak to plants, technically, in D&D. Mm. Um, so is Perfuma kind of like a, a ranger sorcerer type? Yeah, I'd say she. Yeah, probably more of a druid. Um, it's it's so difficult with just plant based magic because everything has to do with some kind of animal. Also, they like. Um, but yeah, I'd say maybe like a druid, um, and it's always. I just I love I do love like the versions that they see like themselves and like the things that they have versus like what they actually are um because that's how also it is in D&D <laughs> um you make sometimes people just make characters that are cooler versions of themselves which is also just feels like this episode <laughs> is like whenever they talk about themselves it's just like a way cool like what they want themselves to be well that's one of my favorite kind of messages of this Mm -hmm. episode is Adora is kind of underestimating everyone uh, based on her bad experiences with the Horde. I I don't want to go so far as to say PTSD, but maybe. Uh, She, by the end of the episode, is clearly sabotaging every scenario because she's so worried about losing her friends. She's so worried about failure that there's no role-playing scenario that she's going to allow to succeed. So if Adora continues in this pattern, they're never going to leave their tent. They're never going to make the attack happen. 
And it's through hearing these idealized, like epic versions of her friends and their support that she finally says, okay, let's go do it. And there is a plant golem and there is ice armor and there is um, this extra level of power that we haven't seen from Mermista before. And by believing in those characters, she kind of has started believing in the real people around her too. I thought it was amazing uh, to see them turn their fantasy into reality. Yeah, and, and it's cool that like a, I think it works on works both ways. I think that Adora's friends also learn something about their own capacities through this like imaginative exploration because at least Perfuma and Frosta note that like the reality of what they have made doesn't really it's not a one to one with the fantasy like Frosta says, "Oh, this armor is colder than I thought it would be," but it's still there, you know? Mm-hmm. So like they they get to an approximation of their fantasy that still does the trick and even though parts of the actual siege go the way Adora feared in the end it all works out okay and that is that's really what I did want to talk to you about is you mentioned that people tend to or sometimes will play characters that are just cooler versions of themselves have you witnessed or experienced um, kind of learning about yourself or your friends through through role playing like about your actual capacities yeah um, so in my podcast um, I did just make myself as a character as a bit at first. Uh, my character's name is Zill because it's Liz backwards. <laughs> and uh, great, <laughs> yes. And I was 19 when I made the character, and so I'm a 19 year old human wizard who's also a magician. Um, and I channel my magic through sweatbands that I wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. Yep. Um, and it's, it's. Interesting because it's like we've all had to learn about this dynamic because like the other girls in the podcast, they have put themselves into their own characters, but obviously not as I just made myself. So not as much as I did. Um, So we've had to like really learn how to play with that, too, because at first um, it was a little hard to set like separate feelings from the game. Um, so if something bad would happen to like my character or something, sometimes it, it would affect me personally. And then I'd be like all week, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Oh, my God. Um, but through time and like just like constantly playing with the same people, um, we've kind of gotten past that. It's nothing affects me like super bad anymore. I mean, there will be plot points and stuff that affect all of us. Like if somebody gets kidnapped, we're all like, Oh no. Um, but it's really interesting. And I think the, uh, what Adora was doing in the episode, how, uh, you were talking about how she really shuts down a lot of the stuff. Um, I've seen that a lot. Um, just in general games I've played, um, sometimes even with the person running the game, which it seemed like Adora was at first, the main like person running this uh these scenarios um and it's really hard to play a game with somebody who shuts down all of your ideas um because it is a lot of improvising in these games and to have like an idea that you're really excited about and to have someone just say no it 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 sucks 
DMing is extraordinarily tough to do. Yeah. And I have sympathy in the end for a DM who puts a ton of planning into how they think the story is going to go and the choices they think people are going to make. And I'm sure when one of the players gets creative uh, and starts taking the game off of the rails that the DM thought it was going to be on, that can cause a panic and frustration. And you have to have a leader who is open enough to other people's input and participation that, okay, maybe you pre-planned that this was going to be a battle, but the group decided they want to ally with that monster instead. And you want you got to let it happen to make that fun for everyone mm-hmm. because it's not just one person's fun ever. Yeah. It's, it's really good that when you run a game to try to leave space for what you don't think will, like something you could never even think of that would happen. Um, because if you don't, if you get really stuck in the, this is my story that I want to tell, you lose the, this is our story. Right. That What's we the point tell? of having other people there? And yeah. Adora learns this too. If you're only going to let it go your way. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about how a lot of the DMS we know in our community are not like that. And I, I've never had that experience, uh, among my friends, which is great. But I think it's because most of the people I know are in the comedy community. Mm-hmm. And for all the failings of the Chicago comedy community, I think yes ending is such an important part of being a DM, right? And I'm realizing now that the author of this episode, Josie Campbell, has a comedy background, which she talked to us about. And the term improvise comes up so much in the text of this episode. That can't be an accident. Like, Adora is so locked in. She's, she's like scripted out the whole show, but that doesn't fly, right? And so she's got to learn to like, roll with it baby right that's the whole point it's all coming together for me the assumptions don't just take place from Adora either uh the horde assumes nobody's going to attack this pass and so they feel comfortable leaving Scorpia in charge and that's a mistake too they they had how their day was going to go on rails as well and that was their failing yeah and I, I also really like how when Scorpia does for a brief moment be like, oh no, they have all of this stuff they're going to use on us. <laughs> Everyone else is like, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they're not. That whole sequence was so funny. The, yes. the dramatic death of the like webcam too, <laughs> with the camera panning out. I was like, oh my God, what a sad death. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much good horde interaction in this episode. I loved uh, Scorpia being like, who's Rahelio? And then Lonnie says, the lizard guy. There oh. was a part of me that wondered if that was based on our because show. Because last season, I think we were talking to Ray Guy. And I said, oh, I thought Kyle was in a nice relationship with that lizard guy. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think that was because of us. I think it was because of the general trend that nobody knows Rogelio's name. But that happened on this show. <laughs> Basically yeah. that same exchange. Scorpius saying, I always wondered what his deal is. Uh, there's lots of Lonnie here. I, I realize that Lonnie's awesome and she probably feels like she should be in command. But there also is that interesting little blush when Scorpia compliments her. Yeah. I will say I would die for Scorpia. Um, <laughs> I just love her. <laughs> I love the line when she was just like, how do I... How do I tell how, what, like what's something that tells her that we're also soulmates that are like tied together by the strings of fate? I'm like, we'll find out Catra's favorite color. <laughs> yes, all of our guests have a trend this season of being in love with Scorpia. I, we we cut uh, Catherine saying it, but then the guest before that who was um, Jess Jess also yeah. Jess loved loves Scorpia. Scorpia. 
And next episode, we're talking about uh, relationships with Scorpia. So, I mean, we're not talking with her. We're talking about <laughs> her relationships. So that will be, I think that will be a lot of fun. She is such a good character. I do want to give validation to the fact that this episode super reads romantic intent for mm-hmm. me. Uh, Scorpia, her feelings for Catra read to me 100% romantic. Like, oh, yes. We've, we've gone into that territory very clearly as far as I'm concerned. But I want to bring it up because I noticed, <laughs> dear Lord, uh, <laughs> I got a new Netflix account this week. Uh, I was sharing it with my former partner. I had to get my own and was recalibrating like my recommendations and my list. And when I pulled up She-Ra for the first time on my new Netflix account, it was like, you'll probably like this show because it's about gal pals. (laughs) (laughs) Gal pals is such terrible coded language for like avoiding gay themes. There is, um, I have a screenshot of this. I think I tweeted it very long time ago, but Netflix was like, you might like gal pal movies, but it was all like girl trip movies. And I'm like, this is fine, I guess. (laughs) I'm like, Netflix is like the one place I will not go to watch any like LGBT movie. Well, Um, no offense, Netflix. (laughs) The the coded language of like, no, they're just friends. In this episode, I do not agree. Yes. This definitely reads like romantic intent to me as well. Uh, But bless Scorpia. Also, though, she gets a really badass fight scene where she fights Glimmer off with her tail while she's fighting She-Ra with her claws, which is super cool. Yeah. Scorpia physically is a badass, and I think that's kind of... The point of her is that we keep putting her into like management cerebral situations where she fails, and then we forget that she actually can and does kick a lot of ass. Mm-hmm. It's it's like she's the barbarian with like nine intelligence. I like this idea of exploring uh, the characters' classes. I'm curious, Liz, of all the scenarios and role players we saw. Who who do you most uh, relate to, like playstyle wise, or who do you feel your character is closest to? Even though you did say your character is pretty much yourself, but <laughs> amped up. Um, my, I'll tell you who my favorite one was, and it was Mermistus, <laughs> because I love just she's just like I, I'll be Shira. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even that is an anime tribute because. She-Ra's transformation has always been very magical girl. You know, whether we're talking Sailor Moon or Cardcaptor, Sakura, mm-hmm. or otherwise, we're we're still visiting a genre even when she's literally just mimicking She-Ra. Yeah, I, well, the way she describes the transformation, I definitely got Sailor Moon vibes as well. Didn't, doesn't she say, like, I, and then you see me against the stars, and then a dolphin twirls, then I get slightly nicer shoes than my normal shoes. <laughs> Perfuma, we're not just making up whatever we want. Plus, your idea is dumb. And what would you do? Uh, I step forward and I say, I am Mermista. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my trident and said, For the honor of Grey Whales! Then it's like, sparkle, sparkle, dolphin, sparkle. Mista. I get shoes that are slightly better than my normal shoes. There's probably another dolphin. Mermista! So then, like, I twirl, and then my hair does this thing where it looks all messy, but it's actually, like, really super beautiful. You can't transform into She-Ra! Uh, duh. I'm She-Ra. 
Princess of the Oceans, obviously. No. Uh, we, we didn't talk about Frosta. Uh, Frosta really intrigued me in this episode because she reminded me as a viewer that these are all children. Mm-hmm. When she came in and was like, you're playing a battle game. I want to play. I was like, wow, these are teens and kids. And that's a kind of dark wartime reminder. Um, and her genre is probably the one I struggled with the most. But I know for a fact that the Winter's Bane sort of fan art that she drew was actually drawn by Noelle Stevenson. And it very much looked like the anime fan art that I was drawing watching like Toonami in the late 90s. So it might just be another anime shout out. I don't know what you guys have to say about it. As far as I got with that was Korra because of the element thing. Oh, fair. Yeah. But I, the Winter's Bane sounded even Game of thrones but I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think it's just sort of a high fantasy kind of name. Like, that's the kind of name you give yourself when yeah. you're playing D&D. Yeah. I think, like, it's also, like, you always, or most of the time, you have that one person in your group who's just, like, the edgy, like, <laughs> this is me. But in reality, they're also just kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Not, like, dumb, but... They're just silly. And and her whole thing of like, oh, this is my sidekick glimmer, like trying to dictate the west, rest of the group as well. Mm-hmm. Very. I, I love characters like that, too, because um, you can have characters where they're like, yes, this is me. I'm like a vampire lord person. Total edgelord. All of you are my, we're not a team. You're my sidekicks. And you're all just like, sure, Brad. Okay. <laughs> Sit down, Brad. <laughs> We talked about this, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> That's super true. I think I missed it because Frost is like an 11-year-old girl, but if it had been like a 17-year-old dude, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what I would have read as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing I want to address in this, well, I guess there's two things. Uh, we've touched on it, but I love the overall moral of this episode. Uh, Glimmer has this great speech where Adora is kind of at wit's end where she says the lines, bad things are going to happen. You have to roll with it and trust that your friends will get your back or something, which is like pretty incredible i i think that that's a great message that kind of finds the, th- the synthesis between adora's uh always wanting to plan and be on top of things and her friends kind of being like yo trust us to like do what we do and i think that's what we saw play out in the uh actual combat so i don't know if you have thoughts on that but i loved it i i, I just agree because stuff did go wrong they did a really good job they did win but at one point glimmer was being held over a bridge and potentially was going to be thrown to her death. And I think accepting that there might be bumps along the road, but you're still going to make it out is something Adora is still trying to learn. Yeah, a lot of the things that Adora feared would happen did. She said, they'll separate me, which Scorpia did. They'll get my sword away, which Scorpia did. Glimmer will run out of magic, which happened. Um, They'll attack Bo when he's vulnerable. Like All of those things happened, but it didn't matter in the end. Right. There's a very literal moment where Scorpia goes, how many of you are there? And it's just (laughs) strength in numbers. There's still just too many people with magic powers that even if a couple of them failed, Mm -hmm. more would come in behind. Yeah. Kind of like a and d party. Yeah. (laughs) A really good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is like an adventure with a a great ending. Like a DM would have to be pretty cool to pull all this off (laughs) and your roles would have to be on point. Yeah. It's like, it's like, a game where your DM is the worst at role. 
<laughs> at rolling. <laughs> like sometimes they'll get a good one in there, but majority you're able to like pull it off pretty well. Um, but it's always really nice uh, to have pe- to have people who have your back that you know will support the plan, whatever it is. The other thing I wanted to mention was, um, even though I was being a brat about the music in the show the first time I saw it, the end credits totally got me because I did not expect that they also would have uh, licensed a cover of the original end credit song from yeah, with, Shira. Yeah, with vocals and everything. Yeah, technically the first appearance of He-Man on the show, if we believe that He-Man is also singing We Have the Power. Uh, <laughs> that's a real stretch, but yeah, that made my day so hard. I, I watched that like three times in a row because I could not believe it was there. So that was super duper the extra mile. So thank you, DreamWorks, for that delightful surprise. This episode especially feels designed for people like us as much as the children. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, there was one. Kids haven't watched Cowboy bebop either (laughs) or the original princess of power which is not on netflix anymore which is baffling to me that they took it off as soon as the new she-ra took off in popularity anecdotally i know at least two families where their kids went from the new one to the classic um so apparently netflix does two things weird they curate their back catalog strangely and they don't know how to recommend um lgbt shows in a in a straightforward and clear way um they also change thumbnails uh of shows and movies well it depends on what you watch so it changes according to you what they think you'll click (gasps) that's what that is yeah i just thought they were changing it to like keep it fresh no so it changes according to like what you click on the most so like if you click on a lot of like stuff that has women on the cover you'll see more women on your thumbnails even if it's not like a woman forward movie um ah that's why my fuller house image was john stamos and now all of the <laughs> thumbnails are john stamos that's, that makes so much sense <laughs> well my Shira thumbnail just changed to hordak which now that makes perfect sense because i just watched i think you should leave like three times through so like this guy likes dudes <laughs> and scary darkness dudes. what's yeah. in robinson's not that scary I did notice that, though, because, again, I just started Netflix over, and today my thumbnail was Catra, and it had never been Catra before. It had always Mm -hmm. been something much brighter and shinier like Swiftwind. Weirdly, my Fuller House icon has Lori Loughlin, so let's see how long mm. that That's not weird at all. Around. Mine just has a house. Oh, wait, no. It's, it's not weird. It's it's not weird because it's like a gorgeous babe for all of us to look at and enjoy. But yeah. given her recent like criminal <laughs> activity, I guess yeah, maybe um. they should take it down. <laughs> there, there were so many, so many horrible, like hacky jokes about that. But I do admit, one of my friends posted, and I love this, the day she got arrested, it just said, I hope the courts have mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. Mm-hmm.